Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. I think, you, you know, it'll be, uh, I don't know how well it'll be received, but I'm confident of it. Um, the, the problem I, I see myself having is pace. So um, I would ask you to help me. If I'm going too fast, ask some questions and slow me down. If I'm going too slow, then tell me that. Say, say something like, amen, get it going, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, hey, Steve, you know, this is pretty pedestrian stuff, you know. And I don't want to give you... St- I don't want to give you a bunch of stuff you already know. So I'm going to assume some things, and, and I, I want to apologize to visitors that aren't pastors because I'm really not speaking to you. I'm speaking to pastors. And, and I think you'll get splashed, you know, with the water I'm carrying. But, you know, if, if you can't keep up, write some notes down, and, and we'll try to help you out. But I, I really want this to be for them, all right? So with all of that, uh, let's get to the Word of God. Uh, Maybe we should pray first. Lord, thank you for this time together. We pray that you'd you'd help us understand what it is that you want us to to know today and uh, the work that has to be done. We pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would be present and uh, would convict us, would uh, teach us, instruct us this morning. In Jesus we pray, amen. Uh, just as a preliminary, uh, I think today is going to be work. I think tomorrow is going, well, plowing. We're going to plow this, you know, that's work, right? Plowing the ground. So we're going to break up some ground this morning. Then tomorrow we're going to plant some seeds. And then on Wednesday, I'm hoping to pick some fruit. If we get to the fruit, and basically what I'm doing is I'm saying uh, the first day is work, the second day, uh, I want you to come with your imagination. Uh, I want you to be able to uh, allow God to work through you so that you can see some things. I'm here more to show you things than to teach you. And then on, fr- on Wednesday, I suspect that if we've done a good job of, of working and then planting, that we're going to see some fruit, which will be the application of all this. So, uh, so this morning... I'm going to ask some patience on your part because I'm going to say some things to you that you will probably have no clue, but I'm not going to teach you that. So we're going to talk about some science stuff this morning. And you might, I've talked to some of your pastors and they go, Steve, we have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. I'm not here to teach you that. I'm not going to teach you quantum physics. I can't anyways. I, I don't know enough about it to teach it. But you might hear me say something like that. But it's, it's really just so that we understand how to connect the Word of God with the creation. Okay? So that's what I'm looking at. So let's look at the first verse. It comes from Isaiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 18. This is a remarkable verse. And, and what's remarkable about it, I don't... I, you, I didn't give them all these verses, so you can write them down. I know you're note takers. 
some of you younger people know enough, just take a picture, right? So what I find remarkable about this verse is that God has called us to reason with him. Now, the more I know about God and the more I know about me, this is, this is absolutely astonishing. Because how can I reason with God? But he's given us gifts so that we can reason with him. And I think it's important that we understand what these gifts are. And they're going to be outlined in the next verses that we show. And I'm not going to read all these verses. You can look at them, but I'm just going to remark about them in most cases to, to, to expedite this. So the next group is Ezekiel 43. And what you're going to see, and we're going to talk a lot about patterns, and I'm going to talk about math. If you want to leave now, you can. I know just saying math sometimes paralyzes people. But what we're going to see is that God has given us three wonderful gifts. He's given us language, math, and the observation of patterns. And these three things enable us to actually reason with God. He can, he can, he expects us. And let me qualify this. This is not negating faith, all right? But you'll see that. I'm not trying to eliminate faith in this. But what he expects from us is that we would use our brains. He expects that we would, we would acquire at least some rudimentary, you know, ability to read and understand what we're reading and to understand math and to understand patterns. And if we, if we can't comprehend these three things, we're going to struggle when it comes to learning our Bible. And, and I would even say this. If you don't understand these three things, it's going to be difficult to rightly divide the word of truth. Think about even the word, divide. It's a, it's a mathematical word. And so God has given to us not only a language, but he's given us the, the, the wonderment of mathematics. And he's given us a place in the universe as observers. I don't know if you understand this. I'm not going to explain it, but... Being here on earth is a remarkable place in the universe to make observations. If, if we were much closer to the sun, it would be difficult to observe. So even in our place in the solar system, but our place in the, in the uh, Milky Way, if we were further into the Milky Way, the light of the Milky Way would obstruct our power of observation. So God has actually ordained earth in its position in the universe so that we could be observers. And we need to become good observers. And what we need to do is, is recognize the patterns that God has given to us. And here's one of them right here. And this is going to be our, probably our main text, and, and I'll be referring it back. But what he's doing here in this text is he's, is he's asking the prophet to bring the house of Israel to his house, which is the temple. We're going to talk in terms of tabernacle just for simplicity's sake. And this temple, by the way, is Ezekiel's temple. This is not the temple that Solomon built or that Herod built. This is, 
<clears throat> this is not Ezra's temple. This is, this is a temple that cannot be made with hands. And this is, I would say, suggest that maybe it's the millennial temple, maybe it's the heavenly temple, but it's a remarkable temple. In any case, what he's doing is he's saying, bring the house to the house. And what, are they going, what, he, what he's going to do is he's going to ask them, can I get ten? Do we have ten? Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. Let them measure the pattern. Measure is what? Math. Okay? <clears throat> what he's doing is he's giving instructions. That's language. He's bringing them to a place of measurement, which is the math. And he wants them to recognize the pattern. And if they can do this, they're going to be ashamed. You understand? He's bringing them to a place of repentance. This has already been spoken about. You know, Troy and uh, Kenny really set me up. You know, like, they teed the ball up. All I've got to do is hit the drive straight now, right? But you think about it. Kenny last night said it a couple of times. I, I think he's the one that said it, but... You know, if we recognize who God is, and it's revealed to us who we are, not only would that bring you to a place of worship, but before worship, and I'm going to show you the pattern, before worship, it ought to bring you to the fear of God. And that's the beginning of wisdom. Give me the next one. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, Show them the form of the house. See what's going to happen? He's, he says, okay, if they repent, now give them the details. This is what we're going to do, not today, but tomorrow and Wednesday. We're going to see some details. Form, fashion, goings out, comings in. Forms, the ordinances, the forms again the laws, and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. That's the goal. The goal is obedience. That was spoken about already. That's, that's, the, that's the purest form of worship is obedience. We saw that with Abraham, right? The purest form, that's Jesus Christ. The purest form of, of worship is obedience. What am I going to obey? I'm going to obey the pattern. What's the pattern? It's Christ. It's the gospel. That's what Paul is doing. He's, he's, he's conforming to the pattern of Christ. And when I see Paul and his sufferings and his afflictions, what I'm seeing is, is it's not, he says it, it's not me, it's him in me. This is how we, we have to worship. We have to worship coming to a place where we understand that we've done the math and we understand what the pattern is and that we will conform to it. So we're going to talk a lot about patterns. We're going to talk a lot about how to get to a pattern.
As an accident reconstructionist, I used all three of these things. When I went to a, a chaotic situation, you know, there's a lot of chaos going, right? You've got cars piled up, you've got people that are going to the hospital. In most cases, when I was doing an accident, it meant it was a fatality. So I would go there, and all of a sudden, everybody would look at me, and they'd say, okay, what do we do? And what I needed to do was I needed to bring order to chaos. And I did this by using language, math, and patterns. I don't know if you feel this way, but my experience, my own experience, and my experience teaching others is that they see the Word of God as very chaotic. I remember first studying my Bible thinking, how come he just doesn't say <laughs> linearly what he wants to say to me? Well, you know, like, why are these, you know, sometimes there's phrases that are in the Word of God and you're like, why does he say that there? And what I've discovered is that the truth is found in bringing order to what would otherwise look as random or chaotic. And God's given us a brain, and he's given us an ability, he's given us these gifts, so that we can make sense of what others would view as chaotic. You get it? So here's, here's where you guys start off really well. You believe you have the perfect word. Okay? Sometimes I have to teach people who don't even have that first. So that's good. You start with the perfect word, but you need to have perfect order also. That's the rightly dividing. If you don't have the perfect word and you don't have the perfect order, you're not going to get to the perfect pattern. You see what I'm talking about? Well, in accident reconstruction, I go there and I take statements, right? Or other men would take statements. That's the word. Okay, give me, give me the statements. What did you see? What, where were you? What's your position? All those kinds of things. And it, it really takes some uh, experience and some, some learning how to get truth out of people because every man's a liar, and cops know that better than anybody. Okay? But then what I have to do is I have to get perfect order. I bring out my measuring device. The old days, it was a tape measure. Then it was total station with the lasers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the measurements I need to take. To do what? To put them in known patterns otherwise known as equations, that are going to give me what? The truth. You see what I'm talking about? The pattern, you know, perfect order put into a perfect pattern is going to reveal the truth. This is what worship is all about. You having the perfect word, being in perfect order, submitting to the perfect pattern 
so that people can see the truth. You know, it was spoken about, uh, I forget if it was Troy or if it was Kenny, but uh, you, know what, <clears throat> you know what bad math is? Hypocrisy. And your kids know this. They go, he says this and he does something, he does something different. That doesn't, you say it, add up. It doesn't add up. Because you're not submitting to the perfect order. You might have the perfect word, but you're not submitting to the perfect order, and you're certainly not submitting to the perfect pattern. And they can tell. And if your kids can tell, the world can tell. And I think most of what we have in American Christianity today is confusion. No wonder the world is confused. We're not submitting to the pattern. So going back to this, you'll hear me talk about forms. Think about the word form. Conform, right? We're going to talk about fashion. Probably like a little bit here or there. But my main goal is to, is to uh, address the comings and goings in the tabernacle because I think that's something that I'm ready to talk to you about that God's developed in me well and it's probably, it's probably going to be the, the biggest bang for the buck for you. <clears throat> Laws and ordinances, they could come Wednesday. For me... This is where the rubber meets the road. Law and ordinances are the application. And I'll have to develop that for you some. All right, what's the next, uh, what's the next one? Let's look at uh, Matthew 16. Why do we want to look at this? The reason why I want to show you this is because even Christ acknowledges the fact that nature has patterns, and so does the Word of God, right? And what he's saying here to these knuckleheads is, you can figure out red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky morning, sailors take warning, but you can't figure out what? The what? The times? What's it say? Signs of the times. What are the signs? They're patterns. What are the times? Math. You see, you need to know what time it is. God's given us a clock. Do you understand that he, he created the sun, the moon, the stars, so that we might be able to recognize a pattern that is going to govern time. You set your clock. You say, what time is it? You say, it's 3 o'clock. Where, where does that come from? It comes from recognizing patterns. We need to recognize. You know, I was going to say this about this verse. There's a great liability in, in, in not recognizing patterns. When I was with the state police, 
uh, I did some, I did some patter, pattern recognition. And it was mostly an accident investigations. One of the reasons why you investigate accidents is to see if there's patterns. And there was one on Route 2 where we had a number of fatalities, and they basically started to realize we've got a pattern here. How come people are dying on this part of Route 2? Well, I said, I know why. It's an engineering problem. And so now they, they kick in and they go, oh, we've got to re-engineer the road. It took them more than a decade to do that while people died. I, I should tell you some things maybe you don't know, but the government has a, a cost of someone's life. Do you know that? Have you ever heard somebody say, like especially politicians, you know, uh, you know, life is invaluable. You, you can't put a price on a life. They're lying to you. You know that, right? They're lying to you. Because I know that, because basically what they said was, to re-engineer this road, Steve, is going to cost the, the state $30 million. And they wouldn't admit to this, but if I've only got one or two fatalities a year, it's going to take a while before they get to the $30 million mark. Do you get what I'm talking about? So that's the reality, okay? Your government puts a price on your life. And I don't know what it is today, but back then, it was about a million bucks. So if something, if I said, we could save a life here, but it's going to cost $20 million, they'd say, thank you for that, Steve and they would never talk to me again, you know what I mean, until somebody else died. I don't know why I got off on that. Somebody's supposed to tell me worship. Somebody's, okay, Marissa, just keep saying worship. Because I'll, I'll get off track real, real quick. But my point is this, is that if you don't recognize patterns, there's going to be a price to pay. In the state police, we started recognizing patterns of racial uh, profiling, right? Now, if, <laughs> if we ignore that pattern, guess what happens? We get sued. The plaintiff's attorney is going to expose the fact, not only should you have seen this pattern, you did see this pattern, and you didn't do anything about it, Big money. Big money. You have a bad cop. Bad cops have patterns. You have a bad cop, you don't do anything about it. When he kills somebody, when he hurts somebody, he's been in five accidents in the last three years, and now he kills somebody, he gets in pursuits above the, way above the average Joe Schmo, he's aggressive in his pursuit. Somebody dies. The plaintiff's attorney is going to come to court, and he's going to argue there's a pattern here, and you didn't recognize it, and you should have. You're going to pay money. These people should have recognized the pattern of signs of the time, and they didn't, and it cost them their lives. 
You can't ignore patterns. We good on that? You can't ignore patterns. You can't ignore patterns in your own life. You can't ignore patterns in the Word of God. And when God exposes a pattern in your life that is contrary to His conforming you to the image of His Son, it's going to cost you. Now, Kenny talked about the cost at the judgment seat of Christ. And I agree with that. But I think it's going to cost you your mental health right here. I think it's going to cost you your children right here. The reason why Cain's offering, I'm going to go back to worship, the reason why Cain's offering was rejected is because it did not conform to the pattern. Do you get that? And you know what he did? He got mad. <laughs> God says, try again, Cain. He kills his brother over it. How about another one? We got another verse. Hebrews 8, 5 who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. I've talked, I've talked a lot about pattern. We need to take a moment and we need to talk about shadows. Do we have the shadow video? Is that, is that where we're going to, is that where we are? All right, so this video I'm going to show you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to observe it. It's only going to take a minute or two. And I'm going to ask you, and I, and I mean this, I, if you can participate, if you can recognize this, you tell me, what do you see about shadows? What, do, what, are, what are some of the characteristics of shadows? And pay attention not only to the shadow that's going to give us, uh, you know, the stick, but also recognize that there's going to be a shadow that's going to be casted from uh, an object behind the stick, okay? So pay, you know, really pay attention. Really pay attention to this video. And maybe we'll play it again afterwards but I'm going to show it to you once. Go ahead, play the video. Pay attention to it. Okay, so go ahead, tell me. Anybody got at least one thing that you learned from that? What did, what did you learn from the shadow? Go ahead, Eric. Some shadows move slower than others. Okay, some shadows move slower than others. That, didn't think of that, Eric. Got to think about that. I'm not sure if that's true, but what's that? They change over time. Okay, the shadow is changing over time, right? The shadow is telling us what? Okay, hang on to that. It's telling us the angle of the sun. It's telling us what time it is. Do you see that? You know what a sundial is. The shadow tells you what time it is. As a matter of fact, if you notice, they have the north you know, uh, direction for you. That's telling you whether it's morning or evening. You get it? 
Shadows tell you time. What else does it tell me? What did somebody say over here about the sun? The angle of the sun? What a shadow does is it tells you what direction the light's coming from. So what it does is it gives me the opportunity, if I, if I study the shadow, I know where the sun is. Are you getting this? What else does it do? Did you see the tree come into image? How do you know it was a tree? Form. Do you understand? It shows you form. It doesn't show you the tree, but it shows you the form of the tree. And you recognize that. And you go, oh, that's a tree. Why? Because of the form. Are you getting it? Some of us are casting shadows and people are saying, I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that shadow is. And it's supposed to be conforming to the image of Christ. They should see the shadow and go, oh, I recognize that form. The tabernacle is a shadow. The tabernacle is a pattern. Are we good with that? Because we're going to talk about that. It, these, these are uh, uh, ground stuff. You know, like we need to understand how we're going to talk to each other in the next couple days. What's the next video we, get, we have? Fibonacci. Before you put that up there. Don't don't start the Fibonacci yet. sequence is don't a set start of numbers. Yet. Thank you. Can somebody tell me what the next number is? Who said that? Thirteen. Why do you why do you say it's thirteen? What's 8 and 13? 13 and 21. This is what they call the Fibonacci numbers or sequence. How many of you are familiar with this? There's some. This was often taught in high school or whatever. This is math. But it has everything to do with patterns. All right? And can I get the picture first before we do the video? So I want to show you this picture. We, we need to talk about how many of you know what a fractal is? Raise your hand if you know what a fractal is. You know what a fractal is, sir? Fractal? Are you excited about fractals? Everybody ought to be excited about fractals. You know why? You're a fractal. The Word of God is a fractal. Fractal really came into being back in 1985 with a guy named Mandelbrot. And I have a book up here if anybody's interested. This is a Christian astrophysicist who talks about fractals. 
And the way he describes fractals is this. It's the fingerprint of God. And what he means by that is that you can see patterns at all different scales that would only lead you to believe that this is by design, that the creation is by design. There had to be a designer. And his name is God, right? Our God and the creator God. And what I want to show you now, because this is going to be important as we start to look at the Word of God and start to recognize patterns in the Word of God, they can be at remarkably different scales. So what's similar to all four of these things? Anybody know? Okay, you see their shape, right? A mathematician sees their numbers. They all follow the Fibonacci, Fibonacci uh, sequence. They all can be explained mathematically. You see the first one to the left? Cosmic level. That's a galaxy. That's a spiral galaxy. And just to mention this, this is just a side note. How many of you know about Jimmy Webb's telescope, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's freaking the astrophysicist's mind. Do you know why? Because <laughs> they're seeing extreme parts of the universe that, are, that is and will undermine their numbers. If you talk to somebody, if you talk to an astrophysicist a year ago who didn't believe his Bible, he would tell you that the universe is 13.776 billion years old. And you know what he'll do? He'll go to the hill on that. He'll go, he will fight with you on that, and he'll tell you how they came up with that number. First of all, are you telling me that it couldn't be 12 billion years old? You, it's 13.776 billion years? Yes. Oh, yeah, and I'll tell you why. This Webb telescope is telling them they're full of baloney. <laughs> you got to understand, I was a trooper for a long time. And my wife is in the audience, and I'm speaking to a mixed crowd. So I have to be careful. But I told her, I said, Sit in the back and keep the car running. <laughs> so, so my point is this, is that they don't know. And what they're finding out is, wait a second, things are not the way we expect them to be. If there's a big bang, this is not what we expect it to be. This is, this is violating our theory. Now, they're not going to decide to be creationist. They're not going to do that. What they're doing right now is scrambling to redo their numbers so they, they convince you that they know what they're talking about, and they don't. And if you, if you suck in to the false science out there, you're crazy. We all went through COVID. How many times did I have to listen to somebody say, follow the science? Do you know what they're following? They're not following science. They're following 
statistics. Do you know what statistics are? Numbers. You know what most statistics are? Lies. <laughs> now, I'm not against statistics. I like them. But when you've got an agenda, you can make statistics say anything you want. So cosmic level, we've just experienced the global level with uh, the recent hurricane, right? That's Fibonacci numbers right there. Fibonacci numbers. You know what? Eye level, that's the snail. Cut open that snail, you see the spiral. Subatomic level, you go, what is that, Steve? What, what you're seeing there really is just a picture of shadows of particles you and I can't see. Neutrons, protons, electrons, right? And what they do is they accelerate these in one of these big accelerators, like the one that's in Switzerland. And they crash them into each other. And this is what occurs as a result of the crashing invisible particles. They follow a similar sequence we see at the cosmic level. Do you understand what's going on? There's a designer, and he's given us an opportunity to see patterns that if we were to reason with him and have a little bit of faith, we would come to the inevitable conclusion, like Job had to come to, out of the whirlwind. By the way, the whirlwind is a fractal and a God is God and I'm not. God is God and I'm not. Let's see the next uh, little thing here. I got, a, I got a videotape. No, not the coastline. The Fibonacci. Fibonacci. And what they're going to do is they're going to talk about fractals. This is a fractal. You see, it's, it's a similar sequence. Or a similar the Fibonacci pattern. sequence is a set of numbers following the rule that each number is equal to the sum of the two preceding numbers. So the sequence looks like this. Visually, this creates a swirling pattern as the sequence goes on. The Fibonacci sequence is named after Italian mathematician Leonardo of Pisa, who used this sequence to illustrate a problem on breeding rabbits. How many pairs of rabbits will be produced in a year beginning with a single pair if in every month each pair bears a new pair which becomes productive from the second month on? Fibonacci numbers are found everywhere in nature, from the branching of trees and leaves to the distribution of raspberry seeds to the pattern of flower petals, even on the human body. Most body parts follow the numbers 1, 2, 3, and 5, from the fingers on each hand to the proportions on your face, also known as the golden ratio roughly 1 to 1.6. Design experts use both the Fibonacci sequence and golden ratio to guide architecture, websites, and user interfaces, among other things. Okay, thanks. So, so Fibonacci numbers are just one fractal. There's all kinds of fractals. A fractal is simply a reoccurring uh, pattern. And what you're going to see in the Word of God is that 
we're going to look at patterns here. Uh, probably not this morning. I was hoping to get to it. But we're going to see patterns and how they, how they are similar to each other at different scales. Uh, I'll give you just one to think about. We're not going to be able to do it this morning, but I'll just give it to you. All right? Probably one of my favorite ones comes out of, uh, <clears throat> comes out of Jeremiah chapter 9. And <clears throat> I don't have the verse for you, but you can look it up. It's 22, 23, 24, something like that. And, and basically what, what, uh, what God is saying is this. You can't, you can't glory in your might. You can't glory in your power. You can't glory in your riches. But what you can glory in is this, that you understand that God exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. You say, what's so important about that? First of all, it's a pattern that you see throughout the Word of God. Once you see it, you won't be able to unsee it. And it's at all levels of scale. It's, it's in a single verse. You can see it in Hebrews chapter 12. Because Hebrews chapter 12, if you're familiar with that, it starts off with loving kindness. We saw that. Was it you uh, that mentioned Hebrews chapter 12 or was it Troy? Kenny, Troy. What you're going to find is you're going to find that you're going to find Christ being crucified, which is the act of loving kindness. Then you're going to see judgment, which is correction, and he's likened unto a father and a child. And as a result of that, it even says, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. This is a pattern that you're going to see over and over again. And I can even tell you, if you look carefully, you're going to see not only that pattern in Hebrews chapter 12 as, as, as the whole chapter, but you'll see it in the first few verses. Uh, if you go there, it's, it's worth going there, just, just so you understand what I'm talking about. So go to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll just show you quickly if you're not there already. But uh, watch this, how this works. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here's, here's the sub-pattern to Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you see that? That's loving kindness. Now he says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. That's judgment. But why did he go through the judgment? For the joy that was set before him. It's the righteousness of his creation, his bride. He sees that as a resultant of him taking upon himself judgment. But he's also, so there's the pattern in, in just that little portion of Hebrews, and then it expands that, that same pattern of loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the entire 
chapter. Or at least, the, yeah, most of the chapter, I would say. Where do you see it when it's really in its cosmic level? Anybody know? Like, give it to me. Loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Give it to me in a big pattern. Big, big pattern. Anybody? First coming, loving kindness. Second coming, judgment. To do what? To set up righteousness. To establish a righteous kingdom. These patterns overlay each other. They're fractals. And when you start to recognize these in your, in your Bible, it's going to open up things to you that, to be honest with you, it's not going to change your doctrine. It's going to change your eyesight. You're going to see things that you've never seen in the Word of God. You're going to read your Bible and you're going to go, oh my goodness, there it is. Oh my goodness, there it is again. I read the Psalms, I see it. I read my New Testament, I see it. I, I, I look at the book of Exodus, I see it. You know where I don't see it? In Christian homes. Oh, I want righteousness. You know, you know why they want righteousness? Because they want peace. And I know from Hebrews, in the pattern that I see with Melchizedek, you don't get peace without righteousness. You don't get righteousness without judgment. And you say, I love my kids, and I'll sue for peace, and you'll get none. You get it? We're living fractals. <laughs> we're living patterns. And we're screwing up the patterns. And the form is, is confusing to people. What? What is this? I come to your home. You know, we do discipleship. I come to the home of people who love the Word of God, are in the Word of God, and their kids are satanic. Oh, well, we don't have any boundaries in our house. Holy mackerel, who's taught you the Word of God? Boundaries is what saved me. From who? From myself. Don't put any boundaries on these kids. Don't ever say no to them. Let them do what they want. Anarchy. Confusion. No form. No observable form. I've only got a couple minutes left. Am I okay? No, but what I'm saying is not in time. Am, do, am, I, am I going too slow? That's what I fear. No? Am I okay? Because I need to explain this stuff to get it, to get... 
to get to the next part. So let's talk about good and bad math for a couple minutes, okay? Because there's a lot of bad math going on. And I think the thing we need to understand is what is math? What's the math in the Word of God? Now, you might, you might think of numbers. Well, first of all, I want to tell you, I'm not a numerology guy. I'm not crazy about numerology, but I love numbers. And what I'm saying is, is that numbers create patterns. And I'm okay with that. But it's not superstition. It's not like some mysterious thing, like, oh, you know, most, most of us, you know, we're, <laughs> anyways, we're doing bad math. So, <laughs> so yeah, give me a couple of verses. Uh, do we have, do we have a verse, uh, what verse do I want? And then I'll, I'll finish up with this. I, I, I've gone through half of what I've got. Romans 6, all right? Put 6.11 up there. Romans 6 is what I'm talking about. All right, here's the pattern. If you look at Romans 6, you're going to see the beginning of Romans 6 is going to be language, the Word of God, right? And what are we to do with the Word of God? We're to know and believe if anybody knows Romans 6, they understand that before this verse shows up, you'll see the word know and believe. That's what I get out of language. I get my faith from language. What's the Bible say? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you stop there, you're not going to get to the pattern. You say, all I need is faith. No, you don't. Not to get to the pattern. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at this in Peter where it says, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to that knowledge temperance. Add to that patience. Add to that godliness. Add to that brotherly kindness. To what? To get to the pattern. Charity. We can have all the faith in the world, and if we can't get to charity, you're not going to achieve the pattern. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Where's the math word? Reckon. You understand? I get the word of God, I get the language, and God says, now do the math, Steve. Reckon yourself dead. If I don't reckon myself, if I don't do the math, I don't get to the next step, which is the pattern, which is the worship, which is obey and yield. You're not going to obey and yield to what God wants you to do unless you do the math. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Next verse. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. How on earth does he follow that pattern? Do you understand that God wants him to demonstrate the pattern of Christ? Right? We talked about this. Who, who talked about this? You, Kenny? 
Okay. It was either you or Troy. Did you talk about it, Troy? You did. Okay. It doesn't matter, right? Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Do you see? He got the, he got the faith. He's got the language. He's going to have to obey the pattern. Where's the math? Accounting. What did he do? He did the math. He said, you know what? I'm doing the math. God's giving me this promise. If I go through with this, he's going to raise Isaac from the dead. How does he know that? Somebody showed him a pattern. Somebody showed him a pattern. You know who it was? Anybody know who it was? It was Melchizedek. It was Melchizedek. Do you know what it said about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews? What it says about Jesus Christ in reference to Melchizedek? Jesus Christ is not after the order of Aaron. He's after the order of Melchizedek. People ask me all the time, who's Melchizedek? And some people say he's Christ, manifested Christ or whatever, incarnate or something. I don't believe that, but anyway, some people say that. I wouldn't argue with you. Some people have told me he's Adam. I, I don't really care because it doesn't tell me because you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't who Melchizedek is. The question is, what is he? He's a priest and a king. There's a violation of the law. Melchizedek is the priesthood of the resurrection, which Aaron did not have access to. The law could not change me into a new creature. There's no power of the resurrection until Christ dies, is buried, and is resurrected. But Melchizedek, I believe, disciples, why would, why would Abraham tithe to him? Because he's being discipled by Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is showing them the pattern, and, and Abraham says, you know what? I can believe that pattern. The question I have is, can you believe it? Can you believe that pattern? If you can, you'll reckon yourself dead to sin. If you can't believe that, if you can't do good math, bad math, you want bad math? I give you example after example of bad math, but I can, I can sum up bad math in one word, iniquity. Iniquity, equity, is a math word. I don't know if you know that. You have equity in your home, right? You say, how much equity do I have? You expect a number. Inequity is what? A false balance. It's when you think you're God and you're not. And when God reveals himself to us, 
we recognize the iniquity. Job does it. It says he abhors himself when God reveals the math to him. It's all kinds of bad math. How about the one where he says, if a, if a man gained the whole world and lose his own soul, if you don't believe that, bad math. You know what's good math? At the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when Paul says, you know what? This light affliction is but for a moment. And he weighs that against what? Eternal glory. You love the world? You're doing bad math. We okay? All right. I think I preached too much. I was going to try to teach you something or show you something, but maybe tomorrow we can... This is what I'm expecting to do tomorrow. I'm expecting, and get ready, I'm expecting to bring out the fire hose. No dribbles, no garden hose. It's going to be a fire hose. Pray for me, will you? All right. We made it, honey. They didn't kick me out yet. All right. We'll pray. Well, Troy, you come up and pray. Lord, we thank you. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't use more of this paper here that Mark put together for me, but we'll use it tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.